Welcome to the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Sam Kahn. I'm senior college football writer for The Athletic, also known as the Techspert, joined as always by my great friend Max Olson, national college football writer for The Athletic and our expert on the transfer portal, realignment, stop rate, and this last weekend, food in Austin, because he was there uh, over the weekend for the <laughs> Alabama game. Uh, we have a great show today, plenty to discuss ahead of week three. And of course, we had our special guest, Manny Navarro, our XL Miami beat writer, to talk about the Canes before they travel to Texas A&M for a ranked matchup at Kyle Field on Saturday night. But Max, first off, let's start with you. How are you? Did you survive Austin? Did you gain some weight? How did it go? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weight management wasn't too bad, I think. Um yeah, as soon as we got to town, my my son got sick, so that prevented us from doing pretty much anything in Austin, oh. other than, than me covering the game. So that was interesting. However, I can assure you, we still ate very well. Um, thank God for DoorDash and and takeout, right? <laughs> so I'll give you. I mean, I, if I list everything off, then uh, I, I probably would start to feel feel a little bad about. I mean, how well we did this weekend, but I'll give you the top three. Okay. Okay. Number three. We had Via 313, which I always like. Have you been there yet? I have not been there yet. Detroit-style pizza. It's terrific. Uh, I, I miss that place for sure. Number two, Veracruz All Natural. I know you've yes, been there. Yes, absolutely. Had some breakfast tacos from Veracruz. Unreal. I mean, so so good. It just And, and Lincoln, Nebraska, we just... It, it doesn't exist like that out here. It just doesn't. There's yeah. Not- I, I used to stay when I used to go for games. I used to stay at a hotel that was literally down the street from a Veracruz, and so that was my go-to every time. Mm, yeah, I stayed in Austin right. for about a year stretch there. It was uh, it was fantastic. Oh, I had a uh, Poblano Migos one. Oh my god, nice. so good, nice and spicy. Uh, number one, Terry Black's Barbecue. Yes, Terry Black's has become my spot now. Like every time I go there. Or get food from there. It's better than the last time I had it. Those guys are absolutely crushing it. Um, had some brisket. My wife likes the the turkey and sausage, so we we did that. But then the sides there uh, are really terrific. Great mac and cheese. Uh, they do they do Mexican rice, which is really good. Uh, really good pinto beans with a bunch of uh, meat in it. Man, it that place green beans. You can't go wrong. The the the, the peach cobbler. That was a nice, nice big carryout tray there uh, from Terry Black's on Sunday. So, yeah, did pretty well. Got some Pine House uh, beer that I smuggled home. So, you know, we did all right, man. <laughs> and you know what? The uh, the football game was pretty good. It was. It was a lot better than we thought it was going to be. Certainly, I I think. Oh, I also I... smuggled some. Uh, I, I smuggled some uh, some gourmet mustard back too from my trip. Oh, to school. have you tried it yet? I haven't had the Bichon mustard yet, but. Uh, We've got that in the fridge now, so we're 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 gonna be okay for sandwiches. The next time I go to Austin, I definitely gotta cop some so I can. He had a whole end cap, man. It was a good setup. Whoever's really? doing the marketing for Bijan, they did a nice job there. So picked up the mustard. I know Andy and Ari are. are uh, Andy's got to drink that mustard uh, on the Friday show, so that'll be great. <laughs> I can't I'll wait for that. Can yeah, wait what for a game, that. man! That was a game. Uh, I, like I said, I was really impressed, and, and we talked about it a week ago that. I don't think either of us thought it was going to be good. I think we both no. had a, like a 45-24 type result in mind. And I think the biggest thing I came away with was I was impressed by how well Texas played defensively. They yeah. were yes. fast, they were physical, and they were sound, which is something they really weren't last year. And if they can play like that every week, uh, starting with this weekend against UTSA, then then you might have something. You might have a Big 12 championship game contender 
uh, down the road. That, but but of course they've got a quarterback issue as well. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Quinn Ewers, of course, got hurt, driven into the turf. Uh, it, they Steve Sarkeesian called it a clavicle sprain, uh, and he's going to be out for multiple weeks, or at least that's what we've been told. Uh, he has been mum on Quinn's status and and said basically all he said was that he got healthier and healthier this week. Uh, he said Hudson Card, who of course got injured and was limping around in the second half of that game, also said Hudson Card got healthier, and Charles Wright got some additional snaps in practice this week, uh, and gr- his confidence grew. But he said nothing about who's available and how many guys are available or anything like that. Let's uh, let's take a listen to what Steve Sarkeesian said. Uh, what I can clarify is all three of the guys got better this week. I'm, I, I don't think it's my job to get on here and tell you guys what our game plan is going to be. Uh, again, you guys can keep poking the bear on what I do at quarterback. At the end of the day, I'm not going to give you game planning decisions or how we practice. There's a reason you guys don't come to practice, right? If I wanted you to know who took snaps, I'd let you come to practice. So not much information there from Sark and a little sassiness from Sark coming back with the, if if I wanted you guys to know who's taking snaps, I'd let you guys come to practice. Like my, he was on <laughs> one this morning as we I, record this on a Thursday. Yeah. I, it sounds like it's, I, I'm sure the podcast listener can't, can't hear my raised eyebrows during this, but um, <laughs> you knew they were, they got pretty beat up against Alabama um, and, and to, to finish the game without Quinn Ewers and, and without, Sean Jameson, but obviously a lot of guys playing hurt, I imagine, in that game um, and really toughing it out. Uh, Texas is, uh, yeah, we're, this is a little bit of a trap week now all of a sudden. And you kind of could have circled that on the calendar back in the summer, um, just based on UTSA, obviously, um, having the great year that they had last year. But uh, I, I don't know, man. I think we're, I mean, you think we're going to see a pretty healthy dose of Roshan Johnson taking some snaps? I think it's possible. If, if Hudson is still limping around like he was, I think it's a possibility. Last year at the end of the season against Kansas State, they basically had to run that offense for for a pretty good portion of it because they were banged up. Casey Thompson yeah. and Hudson Carver banged up at the end of the year. And Roshan did a pretty good job with it. So it's something they can do. Uh, this is obviously a really good chance to get Charles Wright some, some real game reps if you need him down the stretch at any point this year. But this is a UTSA team. This is not your conventional group of five team. This is not uh, a team that you're just going to come in and, necessarily out talent they have beaten a power five team in the last year they, they went and beat illinois on the road they beat memphis on the road last year they they took houston a very talented team one of the better group of five teams out there to the brink into i think it was triple overtime which we talked about that last week with with a veteran quarterback and frank harris and a lot of good athletes jeff trailers built that roster really well this is a team in my mind that I think can scare Texas a little bit. I, I don't know how you feel. Do you think this is one Texas should be a little scared of on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's, for example, if you're getting Frank Harris against an injured Hudson card, like UTSA has probably got the quarterback advantage there. And if it's Harris against Wright, then they definitely do. Um, yeah, this is a game that Texas just needs to find a way to escape uh, with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson and Keelan Robinson and and, and the, the run game and, and just try to – you put it on your own line this week to just can we try and make the game simple for the QB and, and let's just run run the ball in this one like they did against K State to finish last year. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting um, how <laughs> in watching that Texas game, man, you, you just you change one play in that game and it's a very different conversation about Texas these days. I mean, how how high do they climb in the rankings uh, if they win? I mean, they jumped A and M in the rankings, which is pretty funny in the AP <laughs> poll. But I mean, Texas is probably top 
I don't know, in that 10 to 15 range, I would think. Yeah, I think they'd, have to, they'd have to have been top 10. Yeah, they jumped into the rankings with the loss, I think. And people are going to put them ahead of Alabama, but I mean, you know, it, it, it's a big jump. And uh, and and yet, per, it, per, so perception-wise, like I think you raise your expectations. And honestly, if Quinn Ewers hadn't got hurt, I, I would, I'd be right there with you, Sam, and saying, I think Texas can win the Big 12 if that's how they play every week. Now, I'm not expecting them to play that way every week, but um, I think that with a healthy Quinn Ewers, you're, you're suddenly like stock up on Texas big time. And now it, this is about kind of managing the mess here a little bit of how, how banged up are you? Can you, can you get through this game? And then can you, you know, can you kind of get ready for Texas tech here? Because it, when you get into big 12 play, there's, there's, I don't know, there's, you look at, I mean, Kansas beat West Virginia, like, how many easy games are there on the schedule if you're at Texas at this point? Like they're gonna have to grind through some stuff, especially if they're not healthy. No, and of course we know Kansas was one of the games that they lost last year. So th- there are no gimmies in the conference anymore. But I think you hit the nail on the head, and you kind of hit on it in your column on Saturday off of the game. Which, if you haven't read it all already, theAthletic.com, it's brilliant, brilliant because I thought you gave some really good perspective, not just from that game, but from where this program has been. But you said it, if they play this way every week, can they play with the effort and the discipline and the execution that they played against Alabama? Because it's better than what we've seen through the entirety of the Sark era so far. Oh, dude, question. I mean, so you can, like, anyone can walk away from that game being like, man, Alabama was pretty undisciplined. Uh, maybe Alabama is not as physical up front as you thought, or they're not as good at receiver as you, you thought. Obviously, Georgia jumped them to be the number one team in the country, and, and probably rightfully so, but buddy, like, Last year's Texas defense could not hang in that game whatsoever. No, nope. like, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't care if you think that Alabama's maybe not as good as as they were hyped up to be. Like Texas, the, Texas there's no way Texas would have hung in that game at all. And it was it was just a huge difference. It was a terrific plan uh, and terrific execution and, and the best energy I've seen in DKR in a long time. Like it was definitely a preview of what Texas could be. But uh, you know, can you expect Texas to to show up like that every week? Um, obviously, got to get Quinn healthy, and uh, you got to. You've got to figure out, um, you know, really how to bottle that up because that was pretty special. But, you know, you can't just save that for Red River, right? You got to be that way every week. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of what they would play like on on Red River week. Uh, So they've they've got to to extrapolate that consistently. And these next two weeks, I think are going to be so revealing for them how they perform against UTSA. And Sark said Thursday morning that he felt like the energy level in practice has been good. And and he said, typically, if you're going to have a letdown, it's because they guys have been slacking at practice or, or loafing a little bit, which he said he doesn't sense there's any, but then after that, they opened the conference at Texas tech, which uh, they've, they've gotten off to a good start pretty well uh, too so far. And they've got a big game at NC state this week, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of rankings, you said top 10, if Texas had won, probably would have been in there. There is a team that is in the top 10 right now is Arkansas. Call the hogs, call the hogs, Sam Pittman and Sam Pittman is happy about it. He tweeted a graphic. It was very innocuous on Sunday when the poll came out. He tweeted a graphic, you know, just like everybody does when your team gets ranked. It's like, hey, let's put a awesome graphic on social media. So he tweets it out and he commented that he got some comments about it from people on Twitter. I guess maybe that he shouldn't have been thrilled that they're top 10 or whatever or not boasting about the rankings. Let's listen to what Sam had to say about this. Well, I think it's a big deal. Uh, I do. Um Everybody always looks at the negative all the time, you know. And I tweeted out that we were number 10, and then I got some responses. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, I ain't tweeting it out to 
you guys or a 50-year-old man. I'm trying to use his recruiting, you know, so I really don't care what the guy says. You know what I mean? I'm trying to recruit, not him or them. I recruit. And uh, so we're proud of it. Sure, we're proud of it. And that doesn't mean that that's where we want to stay or it's hard to be in the top 10. We've done it two years in a row. The kids have done it and the coaches, the assistant coaches have done it. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Sure am. Whenever it came out, I was smiling ear to ear. Now, what that means right now, it means that we're number 10 today and I tweeted it out. I'm, I'm proud of it. So I kind of like Sam Pittman's attitude there. Uh, you know, every coach says the rankings don't mean anything, which is certainly the AP rankings for the most part don't because ultimately the rankings that matter when we are late in the season when you get to the college football playoff and where you're positioned in that. But I like him leaning into this because he, he hit it right on the head. It's for recruiting. It's not for you old guys on the <laughs> This ain't board. for you. <laughs> ABC, always be recruiting. Okay, that's who it's for. And so and you know what? Let me let me read you off something that I think puts this in perspective for uh, Sam Pittman in Arkansas before Sam Pittman got there. I love it. Yeah. Before the Sam Pittman got there, these are the these are the records before he got there. Four and eight, two and ten, two and ten. And then his first year there, they went three and seven. So the fact that they're in the top ten two years in a row is an accomplishment in Arkansas. Yeah, I mean. That that's the toughest division in football. I mean, in college football, I think still. And to 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 be as relevant as they've been from from the start there with Sam Pittman, even though like you said, yeah, the record was rough in the first year, but you saw some. You know, they had some moments for sure in year one, and then um, you know they've really put together. I mean, they they have every right to uh, to sell. I mean, you look at the schedule they've played so far to beat Cincinnati and to beat South Carolina. Like they've they've gone through some potentially pretty good teams here to get this far. So. Um, I like what they're doing at, at Arkansas. They, that's one of those programs that did a really nice job hitting the portal and upgrading their talent level. Man, Drew Sanders has been unreal, as we kind of expected when we were putting together our our, our uh, ranking of the best, you know, the most impactful transfers of this season. Drew Sanders, that that linebacker edge rusher they got from Alabama, um, has been really special. Really looks like an NFL player for them. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Like if you're Arkansas. Even if you're just staying for a couple of weeks, like you, you, you need to juice that as much as you can. Yeah, of course they got as high as number eight in the AP poll last year. Finished nine and four. They're two and zero to start this year, uh, and, and they do have the looks of a really good team. And and if Pittman can stack up a couple of consecutive classes, uh, consecutive good years, and then some more really good recruiting classes, yeah, which is what he's trying to do here. When when you're in the top ten, when you're relevant, that matters in recruiting. Guy guys want to play with good teams and good players, so. Uh, 100%. And they've been one of the big underachievers because Arkansas, w- w- one thing, if you kind of study like the 10-year history here, even with the, the struggles of the, the Morris era and, um, you know, kind of how up and down maybe they've been over this decade, like that's a that's a program that can recruit at a top 25 to 30 level very consistently no matter what's going on. And that's a – I know now in your, when you're in the SEC, that is, um, you know – Top thirty is is not very high on the list there. Kind of toward right? the bottom but, of the conference, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. But uh, you can get some good talent there, and they've been kind of one of the big underachievers. I mean, you just look at where the recruiting's at versus the record under under Chad Morris early on. So yeah, Pittman has got this thing flipped pretty good, and uh, I uh, I'm not out here to judge anyone's graphics. You know, you do what you got to do. <laughs> and hey, he's given the creative people on staff a shout. Hey, man, you ne- never never a bad thing to do that. We're gonna continue a tradition we started last week. 
uh, which you like, the low key game of the week. Low key. So we got so we got so we got all the big games that College Game Day goes to, or whatever the the ranked matchups are. Our low key game of the week: Texas Tech at NC State, six o'clock Saturday, ESPN two. Wolfpack are a ten and a half point favorite, which I don't know about you, but it seems a little large to me. Uh, what do you think about Joey McGuire's crew going up? to to potentially make some noise in this one yeah and you know because i was at the game last weekend in austin i didn't get to see as much of, of tech houston what did you kind of i mean I'm, I'm curious what you what you took away from the way that uh donovan smith and those guys pulled that one out in overtime and kind of just what what they showed but that that game just does you, you knew at the start of the season like nc state was going to have all this hype because that's one of those just teams that's got everybody back and they've got real acc you know championship game type expectations this year and a really good quarterback in Devin Leary. But in that season opener against ECU, you saw like they just um, not very good situational football from them. And that game was really close. Um, and I think if, you know, this, this is a pretty, it's a pretty tough one for, for Joey McGuire and his crew in, in, uh, in year one here. But I, I mean, they had to make a pretty good impression on you last week with just the way they were able to survive Houston. Yeah, no doubt. I thought their their fight, and it was not it was not a clean game by any stretch, and, and there were mistakes on both sides of that one. But I was really impressed with Donovan Smith and just how well he ran the offense, how composed he was. Obviously, he had the game winner uh, at the end, but he's a big guy. He's tough to tackle. He can throw it downfield, and uh, I think Texas Tech and, and I think we mentioned this a little bit when after Tyler Shuck went down, but I think they're going to be okay he, even with Shuck out. Smith is experienced and. I thought he did a really good job. And then I thought defensively, I thought they played hard. And I thought overall they did a, a solid job uh, against Houston, who's got some explosive guys offensively. So uh, it, it's interesting because coming into the year, we talked about Tech with this tough non-conference schedule. They had Houston and then they had the NC State game on the road. So it was, I think, a lot of that tempered expectations. But now you look at them, they get the big win over Houston. So now it's if you can somehow go in there, squeak out a win at NC State, and come into conference three and oh, and then you got Texas coming in week four. Boy, the 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 excitement in Lubbock is gonna reach a fever pitch as it, it already has since McGuire got there. But it, it to me, this is a game that could tr- totally change the outlook of Texas Tech season the rest of the way, as opposed to a team that maybe could scratch out, get into a bowl to now we could be talking about a team that, you know, maybe could win eight games possibly. Yeah, and I think I, you know, it, it'll be an interesting situation when they are able to get Tyler Shuck back. Like, would you stick with Donovan Smith just off what you've seen? Yeah, I think it's just it just really depends on, I guess, how things are going and and is is he's perform is he, if he performs like he did last week, I don't think there's a reason to make a change. To be honest with you, I thought I thought he I thought he played well, and if he goes up there and beats you know beats NC State, then I think it would be hard to make that change. Uh, and, and Tyler's probably going to be out for the rest of this month. Uh, that that seems Joey McGuire said that much. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see when in October he can get back. But yeah, if you've got a good thing going, there's no sense in in benching a guy who's winning for you. So I think I think you would see Tyler play when he comes back. But but whether or not he starts, I guess that's going to probably be a, a feel thing for for Joey McGuire and Zach Kittley. So yeah, for sure. But let's talk a little bit about this is. Somewhat related to football. Let's, let's we'll, get to the important stuff here. Let's, let's get, get to it. the important thing here. We we in a few weeks, uh, October eighth, we'll have the Red River rivalry, Texas and Oklahoma, and of course, every year it's set at the Cotton Bowl in the middle of the State Fair of Texas, which is one of our favorite events because of the food. Yesterday, the 
Dallas Morning News put out the list of this year's new menu items at the Texas State Fair, and boy, oh boy, it looks good. I I look I looked through this list and I saw the chicharron explosion. It's that 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 okay. It is chicharron explosion nachos, pork rinds, dows, and Cajun seasoning, and topped with queso and chopped beef. Buddy, wow. I am on board. Can I w- can I go ahead and book my trip to Red River now? <laughs> <laughs> How many calories do you need to burn after you have that? Oh my gosh! How long are you going to be on the treadmill after you eat that? You you have to either you have to wait to do it till after the game because if you do it before the game or you do it Friday, and you cut, you're going to come in sluggish for the kickoff at 11 a.m. You can tell I'm getting older because now I'm looking at this stuff now and I'm starting to say. Oh man, I gotta I gotta really work out that day if I go do that. Before I'm just like, hell yeah, let's go. Let's that's eat. That's right. That's right. We we are we are getting a little bit washed in our in our older age. Uh, I see Not what well, else we had. They they have something they have something called I, a I mother a clucker. Here. Oh, go ahead. Oh but yeah, read that one off. Some the so the mother clucker, which by the way, if you've ever been to Stanley's barbecue in Tyler, Texas, like I have. And had a mother mm-hmm. clucker. That's very familiar. It's a awesome barbecue chicken sandwich. This is seems to be uh, barring that name, the mother clucker chicken sandwich. It's Palmer's hot chicken and on a bun with pimento cheese and pickles. Shout out Mike Herman Trout with his pimento cheese. Uh, I'm not a big pimento cheese guy. I, I I haven't. I could take it or leave it, but okay. But Nashville style hot chicken with pimento cheese and pickles. I, I'd be willing to try it for sure. I don't think it'll beat Stanley Barbecue's mother clucker, but yeah. but right. it's uh, it sounds interesting. All right, I've got three things here I really like, but I, we do need to discuss. Th- there's a picture in here. <laughs> I wish the listener could see it. Guys, I saw it on you, Twitter yesterday. Of, guys, what do we think of um, a, a nice big slice of cheese pizza that's covered in sliced pickles and <laughs> no. seasoning? No. What do you think I, about I'm, a pickle pizza, Sam? I love pickles, and I'm I'm. I'm a Texan and I have pickles on just about everything. You know, if I go to Subway, it's always pickles on on a sandwich for me. If I had a burger, it's got pickles. If it's a sandwich, it's got pickles. Pickles on a pizza, no. I'm sorry. That's that's a that doesn't it doesn't even look good. Like the picture it of it. No. You know, they try to put in this little seasoning on the top to kind of make it appealing, but it just no. It's no. just not it it messes up the vibe of the pizza. Uh, pizza is just pizza. I, Let's just leave it alone. I mean, I like I like a, a bread and butter pickle, and that would be better than just a really, a real dill tasting one. But I can't do it, man. I can't do. I can't do. Maybe we should have some sort of bet before Red River, you and I, and the loser has to eat pickle pizza. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, that's not a bad idea. We got to do that, right? Oh man, I think. Oh, will Ari and Andy be proud of us? No, you this? can go down this list and pick grosser things. For sure, like we could pick a, a grosser challenge uh, off here because we got some, we've got some weird stuff going on on this list as always. <laughs> I I uh, no, but the pickle pizza, I think yes, the loser of of a bet that we placed before Red River has got to eat a slice of pickle pizza. Has to eat the slice of pickle right, pizza. Let's, we'll, I, we'll, I, we'll find a reason to bet on something. Okay, yes. let's not forget that. So what what stands out to you on this list, Max? All right, the winners for me, and I just noticed this: Texas Twosome. It's a grilled cheese and a Frito pile in one. I mean, who wouldn't want to munch <laughs> those two things? That sounds really good. Right. Oh my goodness. Frito pie grilled cheese. Frito fried grilled like there, cheese. Sam? I don't know, man. I um, think keeping them separate is the move. <laughs> okay. All right. Texas ranch hot wings. 
pieces of pork seasoned with spicy ranch salt and drizzled in a secret sauce. That sounds pretty good. That sounds good. I like that. that. I could go with um, the hot honey. I love hot honey. So this got me hot honey, chicken and sweet potato pie waffle. Yeah. So you get a waffle stuffed with sweet potato pie <laughs> and fried chicken on the inside <laughs> and bacon on top. How do you hold that? I'm just trying to figure out a step. Yeah, you got a fork and knife that. that. <laughs> you got a fork and knife that. All right. Here's this one is a big text choice awards finalist. And I saw a picture of it. And once I saw a picture of it, I was less enthusiastic, but on the description, I'm into it. Holy biscuit. Did you see this? <laughs> I did see the holy biscuit. I didn't see the picture though. Okay. It's a brisket biscuit. Okay. It's a hefty. I'm going to read this up. It's a hefty sandwich layered with smoked brisket. Yes. Mm-hmm. And street corn queso. Okay. Yes. Then top with bacon and Texas honey. Wow. That sounds impressive. Yeah. Now it says somewhere in there, there are pickle French fries. I don't want pickle French fries. <laughs> what are we, what is the thing with pickles, man? What's going on? It is Texas. We do. You know pickles. they have the pickle beer, and they've got all sorts of that stuff. The pickle sours, like the the pickle thing, is pretty dumb. How many times does the word pickle appear on this? Uh... <laughs> you can do it. Pickle I'll appears on this place. thirteen times. What wow. are we doing? <laughs> oh, four of those are pickled pizza. Okay. Okay. <laughs> People in Texas like their pickles, Max. They like. Okay. All right, and then the crispy dilly dog, a whole dill pickle, cored and filled with a beef hot dog, <laughs> and then it's sir- fried and served like a corn dog, drizzled with chipotle mayo. Oh boy! Wow, it's a I corn dog. Say- Hold on, it's a corn dog, but there's a pickle and a hot dog in the middle of it. Ah, does that work? No, no, that doesn't. Well, I know you can have a pickle with a hot, with a hot dog for sure. So. Oh boy. I don't know though. It, it sounds interesting. I'll tell you this for sure. I like the, the last thing on the list, the ultimate brookie monster, a brownie cookie, also called a brookie. Yeah, you can't mess that up. Uh with Oreos, marshmallows, cheesecake, and the whole thing's deep fried. Let's go with that one. That's yeah. That's I like that. I like that. And this uh yeah, that's that's pretty nice. I I mean the desserts there. Now for me, it's always I I, I always like a fried Snickers. What's the dessert for you there? Yeah, I think fried Snickers is going fried Oreos. I'm, I'm a big fried Oreos guy. That I like just Oreos generally, but you deep fry them, put a little, you get the little cream in the middle. It's it's a nice touch, dude. Ultimate Brookie Monster. The Ultimate Brookie Monster also has Oreos, marshmallows, and cheesecake. Yeah, <laughs> what? yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm Let's saying. Let's go. Let's do that. That's a. Uh, they just checked. They just checked off every box. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love it. All right. Well, this is, you know, this is a, uh, this has got me pretty excited about October here. I need to book a a flight to Dallas real quick. That's right. That's right. I'm excited. So, okay. That gets me excited. All right. right, You want to talk about A&M real quick before we get into the Manny uh, conversation? Let's do that. Let's do that. There's been plenty of A&M conversation, obviously on this feed this week. It seems like other people have noticed that A&M lost to App State on Saturday. (laughs) Seems like a lot of people have opinions on it. Um, What did you think watching that game? I was stunned. I really was. I just, I thought at some point they would out talent them. And I understand App State's really, really good. You know, they've won what double digit games five times the last seven years. They won at least nine games every one of those seasons across three coaches. It's a really good program. And I, I think we talked about it last week. We thought that could be a sneaky, interesting game because App State is a good program. And 
A&M had a few issues against in their opener against Sam Houston that made you wonder. But I still thought, man, all this talent, you got four top eight recruiting classes stacked up in here. You could just line up and run the ball and probably win win the game if you have to. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't. They struggled to well, run the means, ball. You know, stars matter. Yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> That's right. Shout out Ari Wasserman. They they struggled to run the ball, and then obviously they did not take care of the ball. And Haynes King didn't look great, and so they have some real issues. And I'm going to be curious to see. Uh, and we we don't really talk too much about this with Manny, but I'm curious to see if they make a quarterback change. Do, you know, mm-hmm. is Max Johnson going to play? Even if he doesn't start, does he play this week and see some action? And that's been uh, something Jimbo Fisher's kind of fairly coy about. You know, he said he'll evaluate it, you know, as coaches are often do. But I'm curious, do you think that those issues are fixable, that some of the issues they have, or are they symptoms of a larger deal? Well, I thought <clears throat> I heard Peter Burns made a good point this week um, from the SEC Network, I think on radio. And I think it's a, I think it's logical. Jimbo Fisher has not given up play calling duty this year. Because there's not somebody to give it to on the staff, I don't think. I mean, the way that he has this set up, Daryl Dickies is kind of his eye in the sky up in the box um, when he's calling games. Um, I, I'm, I would be almost a, I, like at at the end of this season, maybe Jimbo Fisher makes that assessment and decides I'm going to go out and you know money's no object in AM, Obviously, like we're going to go out and get the best OC in the country or whatever, right? Like he he could make that decision, but I don't think that. Um, I, like, do you expect their style of play to change that much this year? No, I don't. And Jimbo is what Jimbo is, and he does what he does. I, I think but... he's just going to want to execute better, not change what they're doing. No, I agree, and that that that's his mo. And I asked him about that the summer when he went to the Texas High School Coach Convention. I because I've heard A and M fans ask that question, like, you know, would he ever give up play calling duties? And he said, yeah, inevitably, inevitably, at some point down the road, he could see it as a possibility. And someone asked him about that this week, and he kind of said the same thing, but. He said not when he talked to him, when I asked him about it in the summer, he said, not right now. He still loves the ball. He still loves doing yeah. all that. That's his thing. And we've seen other coaches. And I know Cliff Kingsbury, who we both covered, who's now with the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff loves to call plays. And that that's his thing. That's what what he really loves about coaching. Dana Holgerson's kind of the same way. So I totally understand it. But clearly something has to change because what they did less than 200 yards and seven points offensively ain't going to cut it. Do, do you think that the the struggles early on here just show you how how valuable how invaluable Travion um, Williams and and uh, Isaiah Spiller were I guess and kind of what they were doing offensively I do th- I do think and people kind of gloss it doesn't seem the like Isaiah they have the, Achane's very talented but I'm not sure they've got that guy right now yeah I, coming into this year and Achane is superbly talented count me on board as one who thinks he's ta- one of the most talented running backs in the country yeah I mean, he ru- yeah he runs a 10 100 but I did think people undersold how much losing Isaiah Spiller mattered because even last year when they struggled against Arkansas and Mississippi State, Spiller had a way of making something out of nothing. You know, if if it was a mess up front, he still had the cutting and reaction ability and the vision to to squeeze out a few yards and then eventually yeah. pop one for you. And I think they are missing Spiller without question. They don't they don't have a back quite his style right now back there, or at least that they, at least that's proven. So, well, I mean, and, then, and then Amari Daniels and LJ Johnson have a combined four carries this year. I mean, there yeah. doesn't seem to be a ton of, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, a chain's very talented and you're not trying to take him off the field, but it doesn't seem like they necessarily have the complimentary guy there. 
Yeah, it's not a one-two punch like it was last year. There's no question. So, yeah. so I think that's that's part of it too. But it'll be interesting to see, and I think it's going to be. Uh, do you, Do you think they should go to Max Johnson this week? I think it couldn't hurt. I mean, it, it, you especially in this situation, having an experienced guy who started before. Mm-hmm. You know, Haynes really only has two full, three full starts under his belt. You know, the fourth one he was out in two series. But I think you brought in that guy to have an experienced starter and, and put you in a position where you weren't where you were last year, where you were hanging on by a threat on quarterback depth and had two inexperienced guys. You got a guy who's been in there in big games before. I think it's worth giving it a shot. It's not to blame everything on Haynes, but I think you need something different right now. And and I think even if he doesn't start, I think he should play. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a sticky one there, especially when you consider uh, the 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 power of uh, John King in that state too. <laughs> I mean, John's a very well known, very successful high school coach at Longview. So, uh, and, and clearly, if Jimbo has named Haynes a starter out of training camp two years in a row, clearly that's Jimbo's. Guy. Yeah, he's he's earned it for sure. So so so, and I don't think any of us confuse ourselves to think that Jimbo is Jimbo's a little bit stubborn at times. And so he's going to do what he wants to do. Dude, a a coach like Jimbo this week is saying, Oh, I'm going to call the sweetest game you've ever seen. And that'll get everyone off my back. It's not like, Hey, let's change things on the offense. It's like, no, I'm going to come up with the sickest plan ever to beat Miami. And everyone will settle down after that. But but the thing is, and that's the thing is last year, they lost to Arkansas and Mississippi state. And then we all thought they were going to get hammered against Alabama. And they turned around and wow, all of a sudden, yeah, out yeah. of nowhere, Zach Calzada, you know, turned into an all pro and Jimbo did call a great game that day. Sure. And the offensive yeah. line blocked and everything that didn't happen the two weeks before magically happened. Does this <laughs> team have that in them? I have hey, no babe, idea. As I saw in Austin this weekend, people people seem to get up for that Alabama game. People they do. tend to tend to bring a good plan for that Bama game. They do. So so I'm curious, can they replicate that? And, yeah. and that that's what makes this one so fascinating to me. But Let's talk about it with Manny. Manny Navarro from The Athletic joins us on the pod. Well, there are only two games this week pitting two top 25 teams, and one of them is down in College Station as number 13 Miami travels to number 24 Texas A&M. The Aggies, of course, have been a hot topic of discussion after their week two home loss to App State, but the Hurricanes are a team that through two weeks we may not, not know as much about. So let's bring on one of our good friends, uh, Miami beat writer for The Athletic, Manny Navarro, who can tell us all about the Canes. Manny, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Getting ready to fly out there to Houston. Be there a couple days. Uh, soak in the uh, Texas atmosphere, man, and hang out with you a little bit. I'm excited to do some Texas high school football, man. It's going to be I an experience know. for you. <laughs> I haven't been out there uh, covering high school football since uh, Miami Northwestern played South Lake Carroll back in 2007. I don't know if you remember that number yep. one versus number two game back in the day, but uh, it was quite an experience just seeing the facilities and comparing it to the stuff here in South Florida. It's, it's just out of this world. So, yeah, Sam, you're taking him to see some some real high school football this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're recording I'm this kidding. on Thursday, I'm Thursday morning. We're we're going down to uh, Katie to see uh, David Hicks on Thursday night uh, at Legacy Stadium, and then we're going to go to the Barry Center, or right now it's called something else in Cipher ISD, uh, to watch uh, Bridgeland and I can't remember Langham Creek. I think Bridgeland and Langham Creek. So we'll mm. see some. Uh, some Jacquez Petaway, some Reed McKeska, some other guys. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun weekend of high school football before the the big the big show on Saturday night at eight o'clock. But I let's uh, let's talk about the the A and M and Miami game. And Manny, before we get too deep into it, I'm gonna start with the mea culpa because you had me on your podcast 
the wide right pod right before the season started to talk about Texas A&M. And I said all these glowing things about the Aggies. <laughs> I went back and listened to it and I'm going to pull some quotes of things that I said right before the season started in week one. I said, I think this is a team that if the schedule was a little bit more friendly, that they might be able to get in the playoff conversation. I look at them as a double digit win team. Uh, I said that the offensive line has become a strength. And I said there will probably be some growing pains, but I do think Haynes King, pure talent, is good enough to help take this offense to the next level. Well, the joke is on me because they lost to App State and only scored seven offensive points last week at home. So, <laughs> uh, so obviously, I was wrong. The Aggies are a mess, and this has become an even bigger game than it already was because it's a ranked team coming into College Station, and the mood isn't right uh, around AM right now. Uh, but the Hurricanes, like we said, have, have avoided any real drama through two games. So how, how does Miami feel coming into this one? Well, first off, you don't need to apologize to anybody. I cover Miami, and all we ever do is hype up Miami teams, and they go out and, and get smoked by, by Alabama and Florida and everybody else every single year. It seems like they haven't. Uh, Why does that, anyone schedule App State? I, that I still mystifies that, me. That's not a good one to schedule for sure. Um, no, but I think, you know, obviously Miami's going into this game feeling good about some of the improvements I think they've made on the defensive side of the ball. They were pretty much a joke last year when it came to tackling one of the worst teams in the country. And, you watch these guys now and they're doing the right things with run fits and they're, uh, you know, playing good assignment football. I think there were only five missed tackles against Southern Miss, which I think would have been their best game last year. I think they had 10 against Bethune-Cookman in the opener. So they cleaned up some things from game one to game two, really shut down Frank Gore Jr., uh, forced, you know, Southern Miss to throw the ball a ton with a true freshman quarterback. So I think defensively, there's some little, you know, mishaps maybe in the secondary, you know, getting beat on some jump balls that they want to correct. But I think there's a lot more confidence on that side of the ball. Offensively, uh, you know, today's news, the Miami Herald uh, reported that uh, Xavier Restrepo is going to be out indefinitely. And, of course, he's Tyler Van Dyke's, um, you know, top receiver, uh, leading receiver on the team. Now, we knew Restrepo was banged up before the Southern Miss game, uh, tweaked his foot in practice and ended up coming off the bench, played 29 snaps. I think still led the team with six catches for 72 yards. That's a big loss for Miami going into this game. I know X um, is a tough kid. He's going to try to tough it out and, and play every game. If he's, if he's dinged up, he's not the kind of guy who's going to sit out. You, you basically need a doctor to tell them to sit out. Um, but that's going to be a big loss because he really is um, Tyler Van Dyke's security blanket. And so Miami's going to have to go, go go other places. And really, that's the one position going into this season that I think we looked at it and said, man, it's going to be tough to replace Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley, two guys that were so productive for him last year. And uh, and so that'll be the test. And, and obviously, this A&M defense, I know that they've struggled on offense, but defensively, that secondary is very good. They've obviously got a scary front uh, with, with so many uber-talented defensive linemen. Um, and so uh, we'll have to see what Miami's game plan is, what Josh Gaddis has sort of been saving because he hasn't he hasn't shown a whole lot these first two games. Uh, we'll have to see if he can pull any surprises and if Miami can can win this game without uh, their best receiver. You know, Manny, if, if Miami wins this game, I would I think it seems the reason they probably move into the top ten. Uh, do you feel like where, where do you kind of see the expectations for this team? I, I don't know if you see them as as, as a potentially a top 10 team. Is that maybe a little premature in terms of a, a year one for a staff to kind of have this attention on them if they pull this off? And kind of I, I know it's tempting when you hire the exact person you, you're, you're trying to hire. He puts together a great staff. I think it's easy for a fan base to think this is going to be a really quick flip. But like what what is your sort of your sense of how competitive this team needs to be and, and and you would expect them to be in year one here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think all of us, you know, covering the team, knowing how close they were last year, right, in a couple of games, they just had a handful of games that kind of – they lost by a touchdown or less. They they beat Pittsburgh, the ACC champion on the road. I think we all felt like, okay, you improve the defense a little bit, Tyler Van Dyke's back, you run the ball better with Josh Gaddis, you should win the division, right? You should get to the ACC championship game. There's enough talent to do that, especially with the situation that Pittsburgh now has at quarterback where they've got both of their guys kind of dinged up. So – I think going into the year, there was a lot of that sort of confidence. Um, but now um, with Restrepo going down and and going into this game, knowing there's going to be some question marks um, at receiver, uh, it, it's one of those we'll see. We'll really know after this game, I think. If Miami goes out and, and beats Texas A&M and runs the ball well like they have these first two games and Henry Parrish and, and you know Jalen Knighton have a good day running the ball sort of the way App State did with where they were controlling line of scrimmage, um, I, I think I think that's a very promising sign. I think Miami can win the division playing that style of football. What would take them to the next level is if guys like Keyshawn Smith and Romello Brinson and all these these weapons on the outside that you keep waiting for them to break out. If those guys have a good day Saturday, then you feel differently. Maybe this is a top ten team in the country. Manny, when we talked before the season, you, you mentioned the defensive line being a, a spot where you felt like they could roll some guys that. Mario thought they might have some real depth there. AM struggled a lot up front these first two games. They've been banged up. You know, they're getting they're starting center back, Bryce Foster. But given some of AM's issues up front and where Miami is from a defensive front standpoint, do you feel like that's something they can exploit on Saturday night? Yeah. I mean, look, Akeem Mesador uh didn't even play against Southern Miss and, and they held them to what 25, 26 yards rushing in that game. Um, I, I think uh you know, Miami does feel good about that front. They rolled 13 guys against Southern Miss and, and were able to get some sacks in the second half, get some pressure. Uh, you know, Leonard Taylor sort of had a, a, a nice moment. He's their, he's the one uh, five-star that they've got on the defensive line. And, you know, he got a sack and then a, a big tackle for loss sort of on back-to-back plays where you were like, okay, maybe this is Leonard Taylor's sort of moment, right, where he's going to start to turn it up here. Um, you know, they've got a lot of different guys that they're rotating. Jafari Harvey's had moments. He's, he's, he hasn't gotten any sacks, but he's, he's produced a lot of pressures where the quarterback has to get rid of the ball quickly. So, yeah, I do think going into this game, the way that they played against Southern Miss, and again, I know it's Southern Miss, they were three and nine, but that's a team that knows how to run the football. They've had success doing it, um, and that's sort of their bread and butter. And they made them one-dimensional. They made them throw it uh, all game. So I think going into this game, there's a lot more confidence in what Miami's got up front than there was going into this year. I think they've shown a little bit that uh, they can get after the passer and they can't stuff the run. You know, man, you mentioned obviously the the absence of Restrepo is going to be pretty important here. But I'm, I'm curious, what have you seen so far? You mentioned Josh Gaddis hasn't shown a lot, but obviously that was a big coup to take him from Michigan. And I'm curious kind of how you see – uh, him taking the pieces there, starting with Tyler Van Dyke and kind of, especially against a, a really good defense this week. Um, how, how do you kind of see uh, Josh Gaddis's take on the Miami offense kind of coming together here? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think without question, they wanted to sort of establish themselves as, as a team that could run the football and, and you know, do it to win games, not just run it because they, they want to give, you know, Tyler some some play action passes and, and help create some separation for those receivers I think they just wanted to, to sort of say okay when we need to when we need to run the football we can do it we can win games this way so I think he's established I think the next step is how does he incorporate his tight ends you know Will Mallory uh, he's kind of there's been points in his career where he's gone into witness protection right like where you just you just don't where where is he in the stat line he's not producing anything and last week was one of those games they tried getting the ball to him four times no catches. And then Elijah Arroyo, who's a really talented second year tight yeah. end, 
played a lot last year. Uh, you know, he only had one catch for five yards. I think this is where they unleash the a lot of these double tight end sets where they start throwing the ball to these guys this week. I think uh, you saw App State have a little bit of success with with an H back, right, scoring one of their touchdowns. Um, and, and I think, you know, you're going to see more of that this week. Um, you know, do they eventually get to the point where they're throwing the ball down the field consistently or do they got to use flea flickers and little tricks? Maybe that's the way they have to play the rest of this year. We'll see. But um, I think the tight ends are going to become a bigger part of the offense here in the weeks ahead. Now, Manny, Sam and I have, have a lot of history of covering, you know, recruiting wars between Texas and Texas A&M for guys. I'm curious, how's this year been in terms of covering a pretty, it's a pretty intense environment there, the the competition in, in South Florida and, and in the state in general now with the new regimes at uh, Miami and at Florida. I, I know there's a lot of head-to-heads on those. Florida State, obviously, a factor too. What's it been like just covering the recruiting wars that are going on in that state right now? Well, it's been interesting because, you know, Mike Norvell came in and, and it thought it looked like he was going to have some some really good momentum there. And then, you know, he kind of he kind of lost some guys at the end of last season, obviously, that were they're pretty important to him. Uh, Travis Hunter, obviously, going to Jackson State. That was that was a big loss for him. And then, you know, Mario comes in here and all of a sudden he's winning these head to head battles for Florida kids over the summer. Uh, but Billy Napier, you know, he sort of sort of started to work his way back and get get a pretty good class together, too. So. I, I mean, look, Florida's got off to a hot start. They got the upset win over Utah, and then they go out and lose to Kentucky. So we'll have to see as as some of these kids start to take you know visits during games what their opinions are. But I expect it to go all the way down to December where Miami and Florida particularly, they, they're the ones that are kind of having more of the head-to-head battles for kids. Florida State kind of goes their own way. Um, but I think in-state, uh, Miami and Florida are, are the two teams that are going to be competing for the, most of the elite guys and – uh, look, Mario's done a phenomenal job. Uh, he's really built inroads at uh, IMG Academy, which is something the Hurricanes really haven't had. And if you're going to win, you got to get kids from IMG in this state. You just have to. And he's and he's done that, obviously. And Manny, obviously, this is really the first big game of the season, the first real real test, a road game, a night game. It's going to be raucous at Kyle Field, as it usually is. For for the start of the Mario Cristobal era. How important is this one in your mind in the grand scheme of things? Well, I think it's important. Somebody asked me this in our ACC mailbag this week, uh, and I and I was just like, to me, it don't get blown out, right? Like that's that's the thing. Miami's played in in some of these big games before and just been embarrassed. You think back to to the game Clemson two years ago, right? They they were undefeated, top ten matchup. I mean, Clemson cleaned their clock Uh, last year against Alabama. You go out there, you just look totally unprepared. I think they just have to look like they're ready for the moment. And I think Mario's going to have them there and this coaching staff will have them there. I think that's one aspect that maybe we all take for granted a little too much, right? His coaching experience. Um, Kevin Steele, he's been in so many of these games. He's going to know what to do with his players. Um, Josh Gaddis was in the college football playoff last year. You know, he's going to have some experience playing in big games. Um, You couldn't say that for the previous staff with Manny Diaz. And and I love Rhett Lashley and I love the coaches that they had here. There were some good coaches here, but there is something to say for, for playing in big games, being in in a big stage. And, and so I think the coaches are certainly going to help sort of calm them down. And I think sort of refocus them if, if things start to get out of control a little bit on Saturday. Good stuff, man. Manny, thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to seeing you down in, in Texas. We'll have to we'll have to eat some good food while you're in town. And of course, follow his work covering the canes at theathletic.com and subscribe to the Why Right Pod on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Manny, thanks for joining us today, my guy. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate Manny joining us. That was a that was a good convo. Learned about the canes a little bit. Big game this weekend. 
Are, are you feeling a lot of conviction on this one, Sam? Do you think you know who's going to win? None. Not at all. Because I was going to ask you, is this? I, it's too early for the pickle pizza bet, right? This is not the pickle pizza game. <laughs> no, I would not. I would not make a pickle pizza bet on this one. <laughs> not at all. We gotta got to save no, that for something special, especially because, like I said earlier, what I saw last year, like I don't, I can't trust A and M because I would have, I would have bet pickle pizza that they would have gotten beaten by thirty by Alabama last year, and then they went and upset them. <laughs> so no, I this is not A and M's probably not the team I would ever place a wager on at this time we'll see we're gonna find one for that bet yeah i didn't i didn't think a&m would cover the number last week but to to lose outright i just i couldn't i couldn't fathom that i mean shout out to app state that's one of the best g5 programs out there like i joked with y'all in the pod like why why schedule that game who came up with that idea you know that is man (laughs) seven straight years of nine plus wins man across three coaches man they they do a good job uh grace rayner by the way shout out grace rayner she did a story on what it's like to be an app state recruit this week on the athletic great piece uh, so that, that check that out on the like.com. So let's talk about run your pool, run your pool.com. Come pick some games with us. I, Max and you and I still got to pick our games this week, but unlike last year, when we did our podcast, when you were always at the bottom of the standings, you always. are ahead of me right now. And you are in the top 30. You went 24 and 24 last week and 62 and 44 for the season. That's against the spread folks. Yeah, I a lot of upsets last week, so that kind of throws excuse the number. Um, but you know, sometimes I put a lot of prep into this, and sometimes I did what I did last week, where I I just kind of quickly hit some buttons uh, <laughs> when I'm laying in bed on my phone before I go to bed because I don't want to forget to get some picks in, um, like a lab probably rat. <laughs> probably could have put a little more effort into the week two picks uh, to go twenty four and twenty four, but you know, we'll take we'll take where we're at right now. And Sam, you had a good week as well. 27 or you had a better week 27 and 21 and you are now 61 and 45 for the season just a game behind you uh so and solid so andy staples show has a group on run your pools come join that you compete with us and our your trusty editor eric single who's over here blowing us out out of the water killing it 69 and 37 tied for first in the standings so he went 32 and 16 last week he needs to probably put some real money behind his picks this week if he's if he's doing yeah. that well if you're doing yeah. 32 and 16 but you did wow started doing some work and i went 500 vertical. i mean that's crazy yeah <laughs> eric single he's uh when you read my stories people you should know they were they were made better by eric single in in every every case so uh that guy knows his football um and uh we've got a lot of kids we got we have to get a bunch i mean he's at 69 wins man we gotta have a really good week to catch up to him yeah, no kidding. It's it's going to take a minute. So I'm just going to go push some buttons like you did last week and hope that it turns out really, really well. <laughs> I think I'm better at picking a lot of games than I am just picking a couple games that I'm really sure of. Uh, last week, not so much, but uh, I'm enjoying the run your pool. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Well, Max, thanks for joining me today. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you follow the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Andy and Ari Wasserman regularly do their live show from there. Of course, they'll be back in this feed on Friday with their picks, weekly bets adjusting, and like Max said, paying off that Bijan. There's a debt to be paid. That's right. So, So that'll be fun listening. So check that out, and we'll talk to you guys again next week.